learning to read and write is not really doing them a big favor. They really have to learn to speak. From 88.9 The Bridge, this is a story about Mercer Island's Betty Tong Lao, who served as principal of the Seattle Chinese School from 1981 to 1985 when it was located on the island. Betty's children attended the Mercer Island schools and were involved in many school and community activities. She first elaborates on the origins of the Seattle Chinese School and its influential founders. Well, we're talking about going back to the early 1960s, when Boeing hired a lot of new engineers. These engineers all got master's degree or PhD. They got hired by Boeing, and as their family started growing, they decided to form a community group called Society of Chinese Engineers of Seattle. And their wives, they formed the uh, Chinese Women's Club. And a few years into it, 1965, the presidents then of the Chinese Women's Club decided to establish a Chinese language class for the youngsters. Very much like a lot of ethnic groups, immigrant groups, they would like to use the language as a way of trying to introduce the kids their own heritage. In January of 1966, this group of Chinese women, along with 20 kids from about 16 families, established their first meeting in the U District's YMCA. In those days, most of people are living in the university area, and then more and more start buying homes in on the east side of the lake. In 1973, with a new name, Seattle Chinese School, was registered with the state of Washington as an independent nonprofit organization. And that same year, 1973, this Saturday school had about 51 students moved to Mercer Island and used the classroom of the Congregational Church as their Saturday school. Then more and more started coming. There were about 80 of them. So the school was, the classroom was a little too small, so they moved to, to the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. How did the school recruit people to join? Was it by word of mouth? Was there advertisements? How did people find out about it? Well, I think mostly by word of mouth. Really, it's kind of among the, the group, mostly Chinese women's group uh, families, and kids start growing up and they start entering the school. A few years later, Betty became principal of the Seattle Chinese School. She discusses her experience in the volunteer position as well as some challenges that came along with the job. Well, I have to preface that with a little bit of uh, how the school is uh, organized. All the principals, treasurer, and all the people involved in administrations are volunteer parents, so don't get paid. The only people got paid were the teachers. So when I took over as principal in 1981, and I held it for three years, so there were about 80 kids in the school, and they were assigned by different level of their um, language proficiency 
and then as a half day school, it's about seven or eight teachers at the different level. The youngest one is about like a kindergarten, first graders, and then go on up to, at that time, probably didn't even high school kids, mostly like middle school. What were the students learning when you began your principalship? The kids were there, as always since it started, is to um, learn reading and writing. And that's the primary focus, with the assumption these kids are probably they're speaking Chinese or Mandarin at home. But when I took over, I decided, well, we don't have to be structured like that. So I made a few changes. As principal, Betty emphasized the importance of speaking the Chinese language rather than reading and writing. First thing was that I did a survey. See how many students who's coming from a family of Mandarin-speaking family and who's coming from a Cantonese-speaking or other dialect. And as it turned out, there were quite a few stu kids have no Mandarin experience at all. So I thought, well, you know, learning to read and write is not really doing them a big favor. They really have to learn to speak. And so that was one change I said. We have to have a dedicated level of learning, treating Chinese as a second language, not a mother tongue. For any language learning, in any setting, learning for any foreign language, being able to converse is the first thing. Reading, writing should come afterwards. So I think that's really thinking differently Think of it as learning a different language altogether. I really appreciate your approach because I'm taking Chinese in high school right now, and I find that speaking is definitely the most useful part of the language because if I decide to like travel to anywhere that speaks Chinese, um, I feel like reading and writing not so important compared to speaking and actually conversing with other people. Right, absolutely right. So for a lot of those all assumptions that we have. You know, you born in a Chinese family, oh, you're bound to be able to speak, which is no, not true. So I'm trying to turn the whole kind of a pivotal point. While many of the young students came from Asian backgrounds, one surprising student made appearances at the weekly Saturday school. We have one adult he decided to come to the class, and he was sitting in a little kindergarten chair. You know how the chairs were so little. And he's a, a man of probably in his 30 or early 40s, and all the kids would just get a kick out of him. And learn. But he actually learned a few things. It takes a lot of courage. courage. What inspired you to do all this work for the Seattle Chinese School? You know, to me, it's important to be able to um, pass on something. I mean, give kids at least an opportunity to learn their parents' mother tongue or, and uh, eventually, hopefully, they will appreciate having that another language ability. And so beyond that, I thought and other things are important other than learning the language. As a result, 
I decided to split the morning sessions into three parts. The first two will be focused on language, and then the last hour, give them a chance to choose from dance, martial art, and calligraphy. We happen to have three excellent individuals in our community who were able to handle. So we offered those three as their choices. And that was the other thing that I thought was a good thing. While the Seattle Chinese School was one of the first Chinese language schools in the greater Seattle area, it continues to be the only institution that teaches traditional Chinese characters. After moving out of Mercer Island, they went to Tai Elementary School and then to Newport High. And now, for quite a number of years now, they are using the Bellevue Interlake High School uh, to use their classrooms. And there were over 400 students. Wow. That's impressive. That is very impressive. One other thing that's this Chinese school is different from Eventually, there are several Chinese schools in the Seattle area. The, the difference between the Seattle Chinese School and all the other Chinese language schools, Saturday School, um, is that it's maybe the only one using the traditional Chinese characters rather than simplified. Yeah, I like that. In school right now, we're learning simplified because it's much easier to read, right? And I think that something about the traditional character strokes is just really pretty. Each character in itself tells its own story. Absolutely, absolutely. And each character is so balanced. The way they structured it itself is beautiful and can get the meaning out of it. And the other thing is that if you're looking back thousands of years of Chinese history, the writing stayed the same. Not a single one using simplified characters. So in order to appreciate all the poems and the historical novels that were written then, yeah, that's super beautiful. I asked my mom about this, and she actually told me that I attended the Seattle Chinese School when I was a really little kid, and oh. I had Apple Laoshi and Judy as well. Oh, okay. So if you know them. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. When you were at Chinese, Seattle Chinese School, where were they? It would be like 13 years ago, oh, 14, okay. 12 years ago, so okay. whatever location that is. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, when you were little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Now I know that they have um, cultural like presentations. They always have that dragon dance. Betty visited the school recently on its 40th anniversary, where all past principals were invited back to attend the school's New Year celebration. My goodness, the dragon dance! All each class had performed, and all that was so impressive. How do you think that serving as principal has changed your life? I feel like, you know, I give something back to the Chinese community. It is just gratifying to know that, you know, giving kids the opportunity, what's going to come out of it is a different story. You know, everybody take it differently. But uh, 
at least the opportunity is there for them. Because of the school's new direction under Betty's leadership, she reflects on her fondest memories of the school and the fun extracurricular activities. I think the best part that I remember the most is really the dance, the group of girls decided to take up the dance as a extracurricular activities because they kind of they all taking dance lessons ballet and whatnot right like a lot of girls but this teacher was trained as a Chinese dancer so they learned something very different from what they learned and they were able to um, perform and they were able to get the costumes needed so they actually have done quite a few kind of uh, programs for the communities. Thanks to Betty's influential leadership, the Seattle Chinese School and its community has grown immensely and continues to thrive off the bases and changes during her principalship. I'm Chloe Yang with KMIH, and tune in all year long for a music and conversation that spans generations.